excuse me, excuse me. Could you uh, could you turn off your uh, your cell phone here in the movie theaters? What? What? But you've got your cell phone out. Well, yeah, no, yeah, I, I yeah, I do, but uh, I can, I can see that you're uh, you seem to be just texting some girl or something on your phone, and I'm trying to make a uh, a bootleg with my phone. What? That, what? Well, you know, it's just that the light from your phone is interrupting the bootleg of my phone, you know? So it's going to make my bootleg kind of kind of shitty. What? What? That's way worse than me texting in the movie theater. Well, I mean, I guess. But your, phone's, your phone screen's so bright. It makes little dingy noises. I'm not, what? Wait, dude, we are the only two people in this theater right now, which is why it's so great for bootlegging. I'm not going to lie to you. Man, I, what? What you're doing is way worse than what I'm doing. Well, I mean, I guess you can make that argument. But, you know, it's just, you know, I've got fans and I, I'm going to upload this thing later and they're going to be like, oh, no, it's a shitty bootleg. There's a guy's phone light in the whole thing. It's always going to be this conversation through the through your freaking bootleg man come on this is ridiculous yeah i mean i hear what you're saying i hear you say but like could you just you know i don't know we're, we're the only people in the movie theater could you like move somewhere else wait, wait, you could, fine fine i'll move somewhere else could you like wait, wait wait don't don't stand up i don't want i don't want your head getting in the bootleg so could you like crawl across the floor are you kidding me right now i mean please just pretty please you gotta be what gotta be kidding do your fans really need a perfect bootleg of dc's league of super pets man pretty please fine jesus oh god the floor is sticky thank you yeah whatever up yours man Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome back to Ruben Cut. Today I'm doing a movie roundup of some movies I saw. And uh, I'm not really sure what order to do them in. But, uh, well, it's okay. Okay, let's start. Tell you what, let's start with this one. We'll start with Lightyear. And don't worry, don't worry. There will be no spoilers until after the commercial break. So, uh, yeah. Tune in for, tune in after the commercial break if you've already seen these movies and you want to hear my deeper thoughts on them. So let's start with Lightyear. Okay, light year, I think, came out the earliest of these movies that I'm talking about here today. So we'll get that one out of the way. Uh, so light year, of course, this is the fabled story that the Buzz Lightyear toy is supposed to be from. Uh, yeah, um, so this movie did not do as well as expected at the box office, you know, because... Uh, Pixar almost never fails. The only Pixar movie that failed to meet expectations, I believe, was uh, that, what is it, Homeward? The one with Chris Pratt, uh, where it's a fantasy story. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, that one really didn't do anything for me. I thought it was really derivative. But I'm talking about Lightyear. 
Lightyear right now, which stars, uh, of course, Chris Evans. And, uh, oh, it has Taika. <laughs> okay, uh, that means, so I mistook the voice of uh, Taika Waititi for Richard, uh, Richard A. Ayota from, uh, from the IT, from I, that IT show. I think that's how you say his name. Funny guy, though. Um, but anyways, where was I? Okay, yeah. So Lightyear is supposedly the movie that the action figure of Lightyear is based on that we have to assume, you know, Andy was a fan of this film. And uh, the movie literally opens with a card that says this. And I, I'm not going to lie, that is my least favorite part of the movie uh, for a couple of reasons, one of which I'll get into in a minute and one of which I'll get into now. I feel like this movie was heavily mismarketed i like obviously this is the like is that is the fact that this is the movie that andy saw that the toy was based on that relevant to the story of this movie and the answer is no not at all it's a blatant attempt to tie it into a franchise and get some type of nostalgic reaction for the audience it's the worst part of the movie it doesn't even need to be there like, do you think the audiences aren't going to get what this movie is? It's, it's fucking Lightyear. Stars the character Buzz Lightyear. <sighs> but anyways, so what's the movie about? Well, the movie's about Buzz Lightyear and, uh, his, uh, and his partner. Uh, Buzz Lightyear's played by Chris Evans. And, uh, oh boy, I hope I don't mispronounce this name. And his best friend is... Uh, Buzz Lightyear's best friend is Alicia Hawthorne, who is voiced by, uh, I apologize if I mispronounced this, Uzu, Uzo Aduba. Aduba? I don't know. I apologize. Uh, but they both do a great job. And essentially, we meet them, and they are space rangers who are manning what appears to be some type of colonizing vessel that crash lands on a well, it doesn't really crash land on a planet, but basically gets stranded on a planet. Its fuel doesn't work anymore, and uh, it's not—it's uh, not going anywhere. And cr- actually, I guess it did technically crash. Uh, but uh, Buzz Lightyear blames himself, like real hard. And the whole idea is—is is that he's a test pilot who's going to figure. They got to figure out how to make their own formula for the hyper, for the hyper drive fuel. Um, and so he's the test pilot who's going to test out the different fuel formulas to, till they find the one that'll get them off the planet. The only thing is, is that because this involves him like flying, slingshotting around a sun, essentially every time he gets near the sun, it's slow, basically time for him slows down and time for everyone else, uh, continues on normally. So so with each progressive mission of flying around the sun, um, everyone else on the planet is aging. They're growing up. They're forming communities. They are having lives. But Buzz Lightyear, for him, this has maybe been a year of his life. But for everyone else, it's decades. 
And this is actually some real powerful science fiction shit. And I really dug this. I'm not going to lie. Where Buzz Lightyear, where Lightyear really succeeds is as a science fiction story. I think it has some, it just has some really killer stuff in there from science fiction. I think the time thing is super interesting. And of course, the whole thing builds into a lesson about how, and so of course, Buzz Lightyear has to learn some lessons like teamwork and, uh, like teamwork with people who aren't as skilled as him and also learning how to let go of his mistakes from the past. And the film does all of this pretty well. Are there some things in the film that I kind of found, you know, uh, predictable? Um, Yeah, yeah, I did. But nothing too serious. Nothing too serious. There is like a... No, I won't mention that because it's kind of a... Even if I'm big, it's kind of a spoiler. But so the film... So eventually he he ends up coming back after one of his trips only to find that there is now a giant spaceship in the sky and everyone is hiding inside a a dome of... uh, A laser dome to hide from the robots. And he ends up hooking up with uh, a team of essentially like amateur space rangers, although now space rangers seems to refer to some like type of community organization that's a volunteer. Uh, and of course, one of the people in the team is related to his old friend, uh, Alicia Hawthorne here, uh, known as Izzy Hawthorne, played by Kiki Palmer. Who? Oh. I've seen two movies this year with Kiki Palmer. That's cool. She does a great job here, too. Overall, I really enjoy... Overall, I enjoyed Buzz Lightyear. I mean, Lightyear. Why didn't they call it Buzz Lightyear? It's just Lightyear. I mean, I kind of get that. Like, it's all about going at the speed of light. And for him, it's like a year. Oh, that's a little too on the nose, Pixar, if I'm being honest. But, uh, where was I? Yes. Uh, if I had to criticize the movie for anything, it's I would really like there to be a Google results answer to specify, are they supposed to look like puppets? Because they look like fucking puppets. Okay, like I, this was a similar experience to me as when I saw uh, Black Lotus earlier in the year. Uh, sorry, Blade Runner Black Lotus, uh, which uh, I don't know if it's still on HBO Max, but if you hadn't seen Blade Runner Black Lotus, for the love of God, watch it. It's fucking awesome. But it's a combination of CGI and puppets. And like when I was watching this movie, and like when I was watching it the first time, I, I was I was super high. I was thought I was losing my freaking mind. Cause I was like, ah, I'm I wait, wait, am I watching puppets? And then I tried to Google it and I found nothing to answer that question. And now I fucking watched Lightyear super high, and I had the same fucking experience where I was like, wait a minute. Everyone in this movie kind of moves like a puppet. And everyone in this movie, and, this, and, the, and the, a lot of the, most of the environments are like borderline photorealistic. But then the people kind of look and walk like puppets. It's like, I don't know if this is an uncanny valley problem or something, or if like the artists behind the movie were intentionally trying to make it look like, you know, like, an advanced version of Thunderbirds Go or something. 
uh, I mean, the story implies that this is meant to be a live, a live action film, but it doesn't, but it looks like fucking puppets. Was the movie supposed to be, it's supposed to be puppets? If it's supposed to be, if it's supposed to look like fucking puppets, then that should be in the fucking, that should be somewhere. I, I should be able to Google that immediately and it'd be like, it's meant to be in the style of classic puppet-based action shows and movies. Like, I'd accept that. Artistically, I even think that's kind of cool. But you know what I don't appreciate? Sitting there watching a movie and then Googling it and the Googling process making me feel like a crazy person. Because it looks like fucking puppets. <sighs> oh, wow. The cast of this, almost no one in the cast of this movie is who I thought they were. The, the robot cat named Socks is played by Peter Son, and I swear to God, I thought it was the voice of John Hodgman. Apparently not. <laughs> I misguessed most of the voice cast. <laughs> it even has Bill Hader in it, and I didn't pick up on that. Uh, where was I? Uh, so, yeah, I did, strongly disliked that I couldn't get an answer to the question, is it supposed to look like puppets or not? Very annoying. Okay, that's, that's the spoiler-free version of Lightyear. I do recommend Lightyear, actually. I do think this movie is kind of underappreciated. It, it's kind of, it's weird when you see a Pixar movie fail. And I mean, like the last Pixar movie that bombed, uh, first of all, it didn't bomb that badly, but it largely bombed, it partly at least bombed because there was a pandemic about to happen. So I don't know why this one bombed, even though it's weird to say that a movie over a hundred million, that made over a hundred million dollars domestically bombed, but uh, shit probably cost like a ridiculous amount. All right. It's got a good cast, too. Oh, it's got Efren Ramirez as Airman Diaz. Pretty sure that's the guy from Crank. All right. All right, let's go into my next animated feature here, which is DC's League of Super Pets. I know, I know. Not nearly as prestigious as a Pixar animated movie, and in fact, overall, I would say that Lightyear is the, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, the, it's the higher tier movie of the two. But that being said, for a movie that's aimed at being a family animated feature, DC's League of Super Pets is pretty fucking funny. I'm not going to lie. I laughed a lot. It also, interestingly enough, has some of the same themes as but as Lightyear, specifically the whole concept of a character who thinks they can or should do everything for and by themselves, having to learn how to work with a team, that's that's in both of these movies, which is which I thought was interesting. Um, I do have I do have some nitpicks about this movie, but uh, well, let's talk about it. All right, so DC's League of Super Pets, uh, the main character, of course, is. Superman's dog, Crypto, here voiced by Dwayne Johnson. And the secondary main character is Ace the Bat-Hound, played by Kevin, played by Kevin Hart. Uh, side note, Superman, voiced by John Krasinski. Uh, not my favorite Superman, by any stretch of the imagination. 
And uh, also delightful, but I wish he was honestly, honestly, there were numerous parts where I wish he was in more of the movie. Keanu Reeves as Batman. Hell yeah. Uh, Kate McKinnon plays Lulu, the evil. I'm getting ahead of myself. You don't know who I'm about. You're about I'm about to start naming characters and you're like, I don't know who that character is supposed to be. All right. So what's the, what's the movie about? Crypto. Crypto, of course, is Superman's best buddy and dog who escaped uh, the planet Krypton with him when he was a baby. And he was just a puppy. And now they are the bestest of friends ever. Only uh, Superman is uh, Superman is now getting super close with uh, Lois Lane. Who is, let's see here, who plays Lois Lane? Oh, wow, that's a pretty impressive cast, actually. Lois Lane, uh, uh, why is it, where is, okay. For some reason, Google has not listed the actor who plays Lois Lane. I kind of think it's probably Olivia Wilde since she's uh, a female actor who does not uh, have a name on this list. Should go to IMDb. Also Google, what the fuck? But, uh, but basically Superman and Lois Lane are, are getting super friendly and Crypto is le- feeling left out because Crypto is kind of a needy, possessive bitch. And uh, so he's... He's having a bad time with that. But uh, also, but meanwhile, in this uh, animal shelter, where there is an odd assortment of pets waiting to be adopted, uh, including, but not limited to, a hairless guinea pig, played by Kate McKinnon, named Lulu, who, went, who uh, previously um, was misplaced from a Lex Luthor lab, where they were experimented on. If you hadn't guessed, yes, Lulu is the villain of the movie. Well, I mean, with, along with Lex Luthor. The, uh, the other animals in there are, are a uh, Diego Luna plays Chip, who is a squirrel. Uh, Thomas Middleditch, I think, plays another guinea pig. Oh, Jermaine Clement played Aquaman. Didn't know that. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm sorry, I'm getting lost in the sauce here. Okay, so anyways, there's a bunch of animals in the place. Uh, one of them is, uh, one of them is a pig, played by Vanessa Bayer, named PB. And uh, Natasha Leone plays Merton McSnortle. I'm Snortle, who is a, honestly, honestly, is a turtle that needs black, is a nearly blind turtle who gets uh, flash type super speed powers and honestly probably the funniest character who not only are they super they're tur- not only are they like a, a nice comedy dichotomy of being a super fast turtle but also um they are a blind ass horny turtle who uh who the movie let's say swear words that get bleeped out like there's a lot of her dialogue has has bleeps in it and it's and they're all used to pretty good effect comedically, to be honest. Uh, and also because she's blind, she's constantly hitting on inanimate objects that she mistakes for turtles. Uh, it's very. I found them to be. I thought they were. I thought the turtle was hilarious. I'm not gonna lie. Mark. Oh, Mark Maron plays Lex Luthor, but I'm getting ahead of myself. 
But uh, basically, Lex Luthor has a secret plan to lure this uh, meteorite to Earth in hopes it would give him to use it to give himself superpowers so he can beat up Superman. But it turns out the this magic orange kryptonite actually only gives powers to only gives powers only gives powers to uh, to animals, not to humans. Um, and a shard of it ends up getting um, falling into that pet shop where Lulu has been, and um, Lulu gives themselves uh, psychic powers. And all the other animals get a variety of uh, different powers. Ace the Bat Hound is indestructible, but can still feel pain, which of course equals, you know, sadistic comedy. The uh, the pig plays uh, the pig uh, PB uh, gets uh, sort of like growing and shrinking powers. They can grow really big. They can shrink really tiny. And uh, Chip the squirrel gets uh this is a fun one they get uh elect they shoot electric city out of their hands i already said i already said what the turtle got but uh so the whole thing so of course they eventually so basically lulu kidnaps the justice league including superman and uh, Crypto ends up losing his powers to some kryptonite. Although I will say, this is one thing I have to... I, it took me a while watching the movie to get over the fact that he wasn't dying. Like, I don't remember if they specified in this universe that green kryptonite steals your powers. But, like, green kryptonite doesn't just take away Superman's powers. It also, like, basically... Uh, it, it's practically... It's practically Kryptonian chemo. Like it's 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 gonna kill you. <laughs> but like, but for him, it's just suppressing his powers. And I I took mild issue with that not being accurate. But uh, but I get but the movie was funny enough for me to let it go. Uh, where was I? Okay, so. Wait, Laura. Oh no, that's just that's Superman's mom. Sorry, I, can't, I should put I should put down this cast list that keeps distracting me because I apparently had no idea who was in this movie. But anyways, <clears throat> uh, so that would be a minor complaint I had with the movie. Uh, also, uh, also I'm not gonna lie, I find it like. I eventually grew to like all the animals in the movie and the turtle, like I said, is very funny. Uh, However, I can't lie. There's a part of me that's like, but why didn't they use the Justice League's real pets? I mean, to be fair enough, like why didn't they use the real pets of some of these superheroes? Ace and Crypto are real comic book animals. But like in the comic books, Wonder Woman has a kangaroo, man. Why couldn't this team have a kangaroo? I forget what other what pets the other people have. But like, actually, is Ch- I think Chip might be. Wait, is Chip? I think Chip actually is from the comics. Hold on one second. Da, 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 da. Okay. Okay. Chip actually is from the comics. Okay, so three of them are actually from the comics. 
good to know. Uh, oh, now I need, okay, hold on, hold on, let's. Need to know. Okay, no, the pig is not from the comics. Just, uh, just need to know that. Let's see, hold on. Does the flash have a pet? Son of a bitch, the turtle is from the comics. I stand corrected. Uh, and uh, let's see here. Does Cyborg have a pet? Okay. Uh, no, he does not. All right. Okay. All right. So I stand corrected. Uh, the only one they made up apparently was the pig, which is interesting. Why did they replace a kangaroo with a potbelly pig? That's uh interesting wonder why that choice was made okay all right so overall honestly i i gotta recommend uh dc league of super pets i just thought it was pretty funny like and the way they the stuff with this i love keanu reese batman he's so funny uh i i totally recommend this as a family movie that is actually pretty funny now to be fair this movie is probably funnier to people who know dc characters And that's, you know, the nature of the beast in this situation. But uh, this brings us to Bullet Train. All right, so Bullet Train. First of all, I don't know why the, I don't know why this movie appears to be divisive amongst critics. I thought Bullet Train was pretty fucking dope. So Bullet Train. Is an action is a, an action comedy film based on based on a movie, uh, a sorry based on a novel by Maria Beetle. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my bad. Based on the novel Maria Beetle by Kotaro Isaka, uh, which uh, I can see what I can see why they changed the name for American audiences. So essentially, this is a, it's hard to explain what exactly the story is about here, because ultimately the film itself is one of those movies that's about a story where there's a lot of moving pieces. Oh, interesting. That's the character that's Maria Beetle. Very interesting. I wonder if that's how that works in the book too. All right. So, uh, so the movie follows a um, sort a uh, like a like a special ops guy, not not like a he's not a murderer. He's uh, he calls himself a he's some type of special operative of some kind. It's never clearly made clear if he's private or military or what. But he's played by Brad Pitt, and his code name is Ladybug. And in his words. He is profoundly unlucky. But he, he, he's been in therapy and he doesn't want to kill people anymore. And right now he's got a job where, so he's, he's doing a snatch and grab job, filling in for another 
covert ops guy named Carver. And basically, he, he, all he has to do is get on a bullet train in, in Japan, steal a suitcase with a, with, a, with, a, with a train engine sticker on the handle, and get off the train. Unfortunately, when he gets on the train, he discovers that uh, the briefcase, in fact, belongs to two other secret ops guys, um, Tangerine and Lemon, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry, who um, are just who are frequently described as twins. Uh, even though Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt's character finds that hard to believe. And they essentially are on the train and they're trying to get this, uh, and they're trying to take this, uh, this douchebag guy who kind of looks, actually, wait a minute. Let's see if I can find out who he was in the cast. Some douchebag guy who looks like Post Malone, but is a parent, but I think it's Logan Lerman. But essentially, um, they're escorting this money and the son of a gang leader named the White Death to, uh, well, back to his dad, essentially. And there's a bunch of other characters as well. And they're all on the plane. I mean, not the plane, the bullet train. Including other people like Joey King, a character called the Prince, a character called uh, the Wolf, played by Bad Bunny, and... uh, a character named Yuchi Kimura. I'm sorry, Andrew Koji plays Yuchi Kimura. There's also another person on the train called the Hornet. Uh, I won't spoil who they are. Well, they're played by Zazzy Beats, but you won't know. You won't recognize them at first. It's actually got a pretty sweet cast, if I'm being honest. When I'm looking through the. Uh, thing but i won't go into i won't go into everybody because it would take longer than is necessary so so the thing is is the shenanigans ensue clearly there's multiple setups going on and the whole thing is pretty wild it's one of those movies where the whole thing is sort of about how there's a bunch of different moving pieces all going at at once and honestly I enjoy that kind of thing. I enjoy the non-linear storytelling and flashbacks. I enjoy, I enjoy seeing how all the disparate parts slowly link up to each other throughout the film. Actually, I don't know if slowly is the right word, but like it's, it's well done and it's fun. It is very funny also. Um, there's, some, there's, some, there's some action. There's actually some very emotional moments. It's a good time. If someone was telling you not to see Bullet Train, smack that bitch in the face because you should be seeing Bullet Train. It's a good damn time. All right, so that's, a, that's as much as I can really say with, about these films uh, without getting into spoilers. Um, so, yeah, if you like my podcast, please uh, share it and uh, listen to uh, other episodes of my podcast. Yeah. Um, now, if you've already seen all these movies, uh, you, of course, can continue to listen after the edit, after the commercial, and, 
hear my more in-depth thoughts about them, including what I thought about the themes, the themes of the movies, <clears throat> as I'll talk more about that in depth. All right. See you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to the other side of the ad. If you're listening now, it's because you've accepted the responsibility of hearing spoilers. That's that's what we're going to get into now. First, let's start with Buzz Lightyear. All right, so Buzz Lightyear, or Lightyear, I should really say. So, like I was saying before, the whole themes of Lightyear are interesting. Uh, First of all, like I said before, I really like the idea of how the movie uses time travel and its effects on human beings. And, like, not just time travel, but space travel. The The whole thing about it and like it's very there's a very touching element to it buzz lightyear is ultimately he thinks he's sac- he's sacrificing a lot of things he's sacrificing his connections to other people because he thinks he needs to fix a mistake he made that's that's essentially what the movie is about at the beginning of the movie, we also we learned that Buzz Lightyear hates working with rookies because they don't know what they're doing. So Buzz Lightyear doesn't really like working with people who don't already know what they're doing. So yeah, Buzz Lightyear has a lot of like kind of regressive, as a person, kind of has some regressive like borderline military thoughts. Because he is kind of, he is someone who would, literally he is a character who is wound up in his own propaganda, military propaganda. That's just, that's just a fact about his character you should be aware of. It's interesting. It's not something we would have, like, honestly, it should have been a thing we noticed about his character, even when he was a toy. Um, so that, so that's interesting. Um, so basically, that's another interesting thing. Okay, so both, so like this movie also has a senior citizen who is kind of foul mouthed, although she doesn't, she doesn't ever say anything bad enough for them to bleep it, and like vaguely socially aggressive in this movie, and also in DC Super Pets in the form of the turtle. Um, Interesting things to have in common. But, uh, by the way, the, the old woman here is uh, Dale Souls, played by Darby Steele. Oh, I know, I'm sorry. Dale Souls plays Darby Steele. Wait a minute. Is this cast written the opposite way of it is? What the fuck? Uh, what the fuck, Google? Sorry, I have two different cast pages up from Google. And the one for Lightyear has the actors' names on top and who they played below it. And the one for Bullet Train has it the opposite way, where it's the character on top and the actor below it. It's just fucking me up. Stupid Google. All right, so where was I? Uh, Yeah, okay. So the big twist in Lightyear, which you should know if you were watching it, is, of course, that Zerg 
is just Buzz Lightyear from the future. Because when he went, he actually because when he went through the uh, the, the warp gates on his on his last attempt, uh, on his successful attempt, he actually accidentally uh, created two separate timelines. One, uh, one where he came back and they tried to prosecute him, and so he took off and went to the future again and found and got a whole bunch of technology to come back and he fucked up his time travel abilities. So he's basically, he's, he's staked out the planet to try and kidnap the other version of himself and get the fuel. Now, the thing about the movie is, is that Buzz Lightyear, when he comes back, he intercepts the, uh, the new, the practically like the Cubs, the Boy Scout version the Boy Scout slash Girl Scout version of the uh, Space Rangers, uh, led by Kiki Palmer's Izzy Hawthorne, who is uh, afraid of space. But basically, it's her and uh, a character named Darby Steele. Uh, what is? Uh, where is he on the list? Oh, uh, Mo Morris, played by Taika Waititi, Robot Cat, and uh, who am I missing here? I don't know if I'm, I feel like I'm forgetting a character from their team. Um, oh, wait, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. It's only those people. Okay, so anyways, they all team up to try and take on the robots. But eventually, eventually, as things develop, Buzz Lightyear is forced to accept these new people as his team and enlist their help on his mission to stop Zerg and his spaceship. But of course, and big spoilers here, so I hope you didn't cheat, Zerg is Buzz Lightyear from the future. <clears throat> Which I think I would have guessed, except for some reason, I totally bought into the fake-out person. So like, on the la- so the time before the last time that Buzz Lightyear goes into the future, there's this whole thing where a commander, I think his name is Blackburn or something, commander. Come on, Google, just give me the full fucking name of the character. It's cutting off the rest of his name. I think his name is Blackburn or Burns. It's got burn in it. Uh, played by Isaiah Whitlock Jr. And... Uh, basically when buzz comes when before buzz does the time travel thing uh the very last time after like his friend has gotten old enough to pass away naturally basically the this the new commander who takes over essentially uh comes to him and says hey we're not trying to escape the planet anymore we're just going to build a force field around the planet and so like the movie kind of like uh, makes you think that Zerg might actually be this guy tra- creating a reason for people to be kept in the force field. And I was totally faked out by it. I should have known better. It's an obvious setup. It's obvious, red, it was an obvious red herring setup. <clears throat> but uh, where was I? All right. So basically, future Buzz Lightyear is going to go and he's going to and he's in his plan is to fix everything. They're going to use time travel to make sure they never land on this planet. But the thing is is that is that other version of Buzz Lightyear who didn't go to the future now realizes 
if he lets this other Buzz Lightyear erase this, uh, erase his mistake, Izzy, his best friend's granddaughter, might never exist. And, and future Buzz Lightyear is just obsessed with getting back to being important, to being a space ranger. And he, he blames himself. He thinks he ruined his friend Alicia's life by making her, by making her no longer a space ranger in space. And the whole exchange between them is Buzz Light is young Buzz Lightyear realizing that what he believed was wrong. His friend Alicia Hawthorne had a great life who was very important to her friends and family and loved ones and the connections she made in life, the connections that he hasn't been able to make because he's just been on a, that this old Buzz Lightyear's just been on a spaceship thinking about his mistake for his entire life while collecting a robot army to go back and try and change the past. So of course, Buzz Lightyear learns the valuable the valuable lesson that he needed to a let go of his mistake and b well actually no that's it it well to work as a team and to let go of his mistake and to learn the importance of making human connections and honestly that's a pretty good that's a pretty good message those are pretty good messages we all make mistakes and sometimes we will absolutely destroy ourselves over the mistakes that we have made i know that i have and I know there, there are a number of mistakes that, that me personally wish I had never made. But, you know, like some of those mistakes have, at least one of those mistakes has happened too long ago that I wouldn't change it. Mainly because there's a bunch of people I wouldn't met if that mistake hadn't happened and I wouldn't have kids. But, uh, yeah. And so I love my kids. So, like, even though I went through hell, I wouldn't change it now. Buzz Lightyear is kind of about that. So, anyways, uh, yeah, that's what Buzz Light, that's what Lightyear is about. It's an interesting theme. It does a good job. It's a shame the movie bombed. Or it didn't really bomb. It just failed to live up to expectations, really. I do think there's a difference there. All right, <clears throat> on to DC Super Pets. Um, I don't actually have a lot to say about Super Pets in depth because, you know, it's not a super deep movie. It's just a funny, good time. Uh, but I will, I, will, I will mention a couple things. Uh, first of all, um, just like in Lightyear, there's a major story going on about how, like, People need to learn to work with other people and make human connections. Because that's the lesson that Crypto is also learning. He's learning the same, he's learning one of the same lessons as, as, uh, yeah, as, uh, as Lightyear. Well, as Lightyear to be specific. And so, uh, so yeah. They're both following that curve. Of course, the difference is is that uh, 
The, the major difference being that uh, Crypto is going to learn to basically form his own super team. After basically, he spends the majority of the first movie just like being super petty and jealous of anyone who gets close to Superman. Like literally him and Superman are, are, are helping the Justice League and like no one can, t- no, like no one can hear what the animals are saying. So like Crypto is just talking shit about the Justice League and like now they're not Superman's real friends he's Superman's real friend like the whole time and uh, so so yeah so crypto kind of uh you know crypto's crypto's like a bad boyfriend or, or girlfriend really uh very possessive and uh dismissive and the thing is about this is that crypto also doesn't have any other connections like Lightyear did. He's only got one friend in his mind, kind of like Lightyear did. And that one friend is the only person he considers to be on the same playing field with Superman. Kind of like Buzz Lightyear's only real friend is Alicia Hawthorne. But, uh, and also kind of the only person that they consider each other equals on. Now, uh, DC Superbats doesn't have the theme of letting go of your past mistakes. The movie's not that heavy. It's, it's mostly just fun. Uh, although I, I do think the parallels and at least one of the lessons learned to light year is, is pretty interesting. Side note, the cast for DC Superbats is pretty, is pretty sweet. It's got like, like, it, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Kevin Hart, Keanu Reeves, John Krasinski, Kate McKinnon, Ben Schwartz, Mark Maron, Natasha Leone, Vanessa Bayer, Diego Luna, da- Dasha Polanco. Uh, she looks very... Oh, wait. I, oh, yeah. She's from uh, Orange is the New Black. A couple people from Orange is the New Black in here. Interesting. Uh, Jamila Jamil, Thomas Middleditch, Olivia Wilde, Keith David, David Diggs, uh, Josh Early, Lena Hetty. Alfred Molina, Jermaine Clement, B- Busy Phillips, Dan F- Dan Fogler, Maya Erskine, Machio Captanda. I okay, I don't know who that one is. I also don't know who Pasquale Petrolo is, or David. Also, there's David Pressman. I don't know who that one is. Okay, I don't know who some of these people are, but I think it's pretty uh, all-star animated cast. It's a good time. Now let's talk about Bullet Train. So what's Bullet Train about? Bullet Train is about fate and human beings' inability to control it. Now, actually, what I would draw a comparison here to uh, for Bullet Train is manifestation. Are you familiar with the concept of manifestation, that we can manifest our own destiny either through positive thought or, like, uh, fucking dream boards and shit like so the problem with manifestation is that even if manifestation is real you can't really you can't really control what you manifest completely because there will always be other people also trying to manifest in reality 
And that's kind of what the movie is about. Our character Ladybug is a guy who says that he has just terrible luck. Like ridiculous shit happens to him on missions where he just like phenomenally improbable things go wrong and like people die by accident, even when he's not trying to kill people. That's sort of his deal. And then you have Tangerine and Lemon, who are adopted brothers. And actually, the moment where this is revealed is actually quite touching. Because um, the whole idea is that the thing people who haven't seen them know about them is that they're brothers and they're the same age. So people assume that they're twins, but they are, in fact, one of them is adopted. And they really, really care about each other. Brian Tyree Henry's character, a big part of his character is that he analyzes everything with Tom, he analyzes human beings with Thomas the Tank Engine. And, it, and it's, a, it's, it's a nice running character thing throughout the movie. And is, actually, and is used to pretty good effect. The film also features a character uh, called Prince, or The Prince, who is played by Joey King, who I can't lie, I totally mistook for Alexis Bledel. Although I now realize that in hindsight, Alexis Bledel probably looks a lot older now than the Alexis Bledel I mistook Joey King for, if that makes any sense. Oh, nice. That was Karen Fukuhara in it, in the in the show. I mean the movie. Uh so anyways and the whole thing is and the whole thing and then there's this up and then there's michael shannon's character the white death in hero yuki sonata's character the elder and there's also andrew koji uh who plays yuchi kimura now the elder is yuchi kimura's father and yuchi kimura is at the beginning of the movie, we discovered that his son has been pushed off of, a, off of a building and he's in a hospital clinging to life. And Yuchi Kimura's kid, Yuchi Kimura blames himself. Um, but he ends up being lured onto a train by a person claiming to be the person that pushed his son. And that person is the, is the prince played by Joey King. And so the prince lures Yuchi Kimura onto the train because the prince is the daughter of the White Death. And they have their own plan, their own machinations to kill their father for not cho- for, for favoring for favoring her her dumb brother over her, knowing that she's more like her father than he ever was. So she comes up with an elaborate plan to kill her father. And it involves luring a bunch of people to this train to to kill her brother and steal the money. But the thing is, and the the big thing is, is that actually the person who has brought everyone onto this train is that she has brought her actions end up bringing several people onto the train. Her actions bring onto the train the elder and Yuchi Kimura. Her actions lead them to the train. Meanwhile, her father, the White Death, has been planning an elaborate, massive revenge. The White Death 
is a is a Russian criminal who came to Japan and took over some of the largest get the largest gang around, Displa- displacing hero uh, the elder character from his uh, from his yakuza clan, and swearing his own revenge on the White Death. So. So, but the thing is, is the White Death himself is the person who originally set all of this in motion. Coming up with a, after his wife was killed by an assassin who was trying to kill him, he comes up with an elaborate plan to get revenge on everyone who was involved with killing his wife. And that includes bringing the assassin who killed his wife onto the train, bringing his son onto the train and also because they because they slaughtered a whole bunch of his men in a previous mission tangerine and lemon onto the train so both him and his daughter have brought people onto this train as part of elaborate schemes of assassination and revenge and the whole time the white death is in kill, is intending to kill all of these people However, when the train finally arrives after a number of shenanigans and everyone has gotten onto the train and the White Death arrives to kill them all, the White Death gives a speech. Once it reaches a point where it appears that the White Death is about to succeed and he gives Ladybug, Brad Pitt's character, a speech. It should also be noted, oh, no, I'll get to that in a second. But he gives Brad Pitt's character a speech about how he decided to control his own destiny. And that's why he does this. Because the white death is always in control of his own destiny. And as he's about to kill Brad Pitt's character, he says the name he says the name that he thinks is Brad Pitt's character's name Carver and Brad Pitt realizes that the reason he's in this situation is because the assassin this guy was trying to kill called off sick and he got this job and then two of uh, the white desk hitchmen open the suitcase and it blows up and next thing you know everyone is on the train once on the train White Death comes face to face with the Elder, who he's not expecting to be there. He's not, in fact, there are two people on the train that surprise him, the Elder and his daughter, the Prince. Ultimately, the plans of both White Death and the Prince collide and annihilate each other. Each of their pieces that they've placed on the board interrupting the other's game as they try to control their own destiny. Meanwhile, the elder, who has taken almost no action, has been brought to this train by other people, tells Ladybug that it is destiny, that it is fate. And Ladybug says, and Ladybug comments that, like, in his mind, fate is just another word for bad luck. And the other tells him a story. Well, the other fills in a bunch of the the empty spaces, but the other also tells him 
what the Japanese think about ladybugs. He says that the ladybug is not lucky for itself. The ladybug is lucky for others because the spots on the ladybug's back are the seven sorrows of the world. And so the ladybug carries the bad luck onto itself so that those around it may live more fortunately. Which kind of blows Brad Pitt's character's mind. Brad Pitt's character, by the way, is hilarious. Well, if, you, if you're listening to this part, hopefully you've seen the movie. But the point of my analysis moves into this. Ultimately, no one was in control. Ultimately, the control in the bullet train situation was an illusion. Actions were taken that led to various things happening. But the amount of control that anyone in the situation actually had was negligible. The control was, their sense of control was actually kind of their undoing. It was the thing that sort of set them up, up to fail. In the story, Joey King's The Prince has a gun that is set to, that has explosives in the handle instead of real bullets. So that when the gun is fired, it will explode in the hands of the person who is holding it. This gun eventually ends up in the hands of the White Death. And at the very end of the movie, he points the gun at Brad Pitt's Ladybug, and Ladybug looks at him and says, no, wait, I'm not Carver. Carver, call off sick. And the White Death looks at him, and at this point, the White Death is holding a, a Magnum revolver that he points at him, and he tries to shoot him, and it's empty. And he throws it away, and he takes out his daughter's gun, and he points it at Brad Pitt's character, to which Brad Pitt's character says, let it go, man. And White Death cannot let it go. So he pulls the trigger and blows half his head off. I'm sorry, blows half his own head off as the gun explodes, killing him. In fairness, he had some pretty severe injuries by this point, so he was probably going to die from blood loss at some point. But this is a perfect moment to sum up the theme of the movie, which is simply put, his desire for control ultimately killed him. Because he could not let it go, he died. In fact, arguably, the same thing happens with Joey King's character. And also, Tangerine's character. Earlier in the movie, he... He has a chance to run away. Ladybug kicks him off the train at the last possible moment, but he manages to jump back onto the train and break his way into the train. Here's a fun fact. Here's the most interesting thing about Brad Pitt's character and something that ties him in really well to the rest of the film. There are numerous points in the movie where someone chooses to fight him or try to kill him. And he will ask them to not do it. He will say, can't we talk this out? 
And ultimately, these people's pursuit and inability to let the violence go results in their accidental deaths. For example, at one point in the movie, Brad Pitt's character is trying to get off the train, and the character, the wolf, comes and attempts to stab him with a knife. They end up in a fight, and the man ends up throwing this throwing his knife so that it bounces off the metal briefcase and hits him in the heart, and he dies. Example one. Example two, the tangerine, if the tangerine had stayed at that point of the train, if he had stayed at that train station and not gotten back on the train, he would have lived. Instead, he gets back on the train and ultimately dies. Michael's, Michael Shannon's character won't let it go pulls the trigger to kill Brad Pitt and dies. Joey Keane's character, the prince, could ultimately have fled the crash train and survived, but instead chose to come back with a machine gun to try and murder everyone, at which point Lemon runs her over with a tangerine truck. The character Hornet, who is there to commit assassinations, goes to goes to fight Brad Pitt's character. He tries to talk her out of it. He asks her not to poison him, and he figures out, and he turns her poison back on herself and also steals her anti-venom. And then she dies. So throughout the film, Brad Pitt's character's like, hey man, I don't want to engage you in violence. And the other person's like, oh, I'm engaging you in violence. And it doesn't work out for them. That's really interesting. And that's an interesting... The way the movie is playing with the idea of fate and will and like the randomness of the character Ladybug, it's all really cool. And I definitely recommend Bullet Train if you haven't seen it already and I've just ruined the film for you. It's a damn good time. All right. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Please... um, wherever you're getting your podcast, do whatever you can on that platform to uh, let the platform know that you like my podcast. Please follow or subscribe or set up notifications. Maybe you want to, su- maybe you, uh, you're old school and you want to pull my RSS feed or something. You can also uh, contact me by emailing me at rubenuncut at gmail.com or you can uh, leave me a voicemail at anchor.fm. All right. Thank you for listening.